Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. It is Sunday, February 24th. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm in Santa Monica, California. I'm joined on the line by two of my sisters. Julie is in Dallas, Texas. And Julie, I understand you just recently had Leanne in your home. She can't be with us on the air today, but she blew through Dallas over the weekend. Yes, she did. She just was here and you just missed her, but I'm going to tell you all about it. Yes, fortunately, there's a large airport here in Dallas, DFW, and to get to many places in the country, you come through DFW. So, Leon stopped by. We had a great little visit. Okay, and uh, Monica Dolan in Portland, Oregon, you're with us today. You've been doing a fair amount of your own traveling, so <laughs> so welcome back to Satellite Sisters. Sisters. Thank you, Liz. I'm just, you know, I'm not quite red carpet ready yet this morning, <laughs> but I'm thinking about getting red carpet ready for the big night. Oh, my God. Can you imagine what that would take? I actually think I was, I was looking in the mirror this morning and thinking, you know, we've had a really rough like six months or so or a year. Let's call it a year. And I feel like somehow the actual texture of my hair has changed in the course of the year. Like there is there's something related to like grief and hair texture i do not know but i would like somebody to study that because that's what i appear to be um observing but first of all julie chime in with your leon report well this this is some happy news because it was as many um satellite sister listeners and facebook bookers know this week was leon's birthday and quite frankly she was a little down on her actual birthday, but she was coming through Dallas on her way to a book convention in Kansas City, Kansas, and she, uh, where she is going to be talking about her new book that's coming out in May, Elizabeth the First Wife, which is just fantastic. But so she was. Julie, going to- you're the only sister who's actually been allowed to read it. Can I just point that out? I didn't know that. Monica, you haven't seen it, have you? I didn't even know the name of the book till last week. (laughs) I saw it on Facebook. Okay, just between you you and me, sisters, it's even better than Helen of Pasadena. Oh, good. You are going to like it better. It's it's just a little more complicated. It's richer. Uh, The characters are great. There's a lot of great elements in the book. So... Um, so, okay, I didn't realize that I was Leon's favorite sister. Well, I lived up to that role. <laughs> as, uh, I just decided, okay, we're going to do something fun for Leon's birthday. And as you rightly put out, put out, Liz, I mean, in the last year, 18 months, we haven't been having too much fun uh, in the Dolan family. Um, but So I decided we were going to go out to lunch and shopping. Okay, we, I know I haven't done that in 2012, and I was certain that Leon hadn't done that either. So, and I had the perfect place to take her. I took her to a restaurant in Dallas called Rise. That's R I S E number one, and it is a souffle restaurant. That's all. They so that's all they make. So, like appetizer, main course, dessert, souffle, souffle, souffle. Well, I have a, like two soups and like one salad. If you want to be on a technicality, but essentially they have savory souffles for lunch or dinner, and then uh, sweet souffles for dessert. And they and it's all done in this adorable little French setting with all things Frenchy and cute and charming. So it is not the place you can ever take a guy. I, so I can never take my husband there. I can never talk international <laughs> business into eating a souffle for dinner, Monica. He's gonna, I know, he would, he would be asking for where's the meat? So when do we get the meal? He would be so sad. He, but Leanne Leon enjoys souffles. She's, she can actually make a souffle. Right, I, but it's not something you do. So it's it's a really it's a very special place to go out to lunch. And I had my daughter-in-law Vera and my granddaughter Alice come with us. So we had quite the birthday party, complete with a raspberry souffle for dessert with a birthday candle on it. So 
with the, the afternoon just started off with a bang. Leon was very impressed with the souffle place and every, a good time was had by all. But then we went on to go shopping. Now we didn't have anything particular in mind, but I wanted to take Leanne to a couple of both housewares and clothing stores that I thought she might uh, enjoy. And with her new book coming out, the cover of the book it has a beautiful lavender flowers on it and this beautiful blue. So I, as, a, as just a mission, we thought that we might look for things that she could wear while she's on a book tour. You know, maybe oh, just... Oh, so you're also her stylist now. Okay, yes. all right. Being her favorite sister, yes, I have taken on the role of being a stylist. And, you know, the nice thing about going shopping with your sister is, like... We were both brutally honest with with each other. So we went to, we were at Neiman Marcus Last Call. So it's the discount last call place for Neiman Marcus, looking at items. And Leanne picked out what on the hanger looked like a beautiful, sort of was a print blouse with, it had a lot of lavender in it. So we thought it might look good you know, when she's on a book tour wearing this shirt because it would it would kind of go with the book cover, but not too matchy-matchy. And as long as she was trying on clothes, I, I picked out this easy breezy summer shift that I thought I would try on. So we each went into our own um, uh, dressing rooms, and I came out in my easy breezy summer shift to get Leon's either thumbs up or thumbs down. And Leon just, Monica, she started laughing so hard when she saw me in this easy breezy <laughs> summer shift that she couldn't breathe. There was like no noise. <laughs> out it was just this squeaks and, and I realized as she said that I somehow had achieved a skin tone where I was paler than Tilda Swift <laughs> <laughs> that so and somehow this easy breezy shift that I had put on accentuated exactly how pale and white and clammy I looked. <laughs> I mean, you are naturally very pale, Julie. And, but, you, but you dress to make the most of that. It's just part of your overall color palette. Yes, so, but apparently I had picked out uh, a shift that um, accentuated my paleness and nothing else. Uh, but um, so, so I got the big thumbs down on that from, so Leanne talked me out of the shift and I talked her out of the floral print shirt, which had looked so good on the hanger, but Leanne actually looked like a purple pirate in it when she had it on. <laughs> 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 find a very pretty pair of purple earrings, which, you know, so it's just an accent color. You don't want to be too obvious about this, but at, you know, when people see her on the book tour and she's holding up that book, you'll be able to see these very pretty purple earrings. So all in all, it was, you know, a fun afternoon, came home with a lot of packages. We also went to another store that had, that was 75% off of Christmas decorations. <laughs> Again, I would never, ever have gone there. But, you know, when you're with your sisters, you just get talked into stuff. So, yes, she talked me into buying, I bought $9 worth of these adorable they're wooden critter, critters, that's the only thing I can call them, that I would never would have bought, but Liam was right there, and she's like, buy them, Julie, they're so cute, you're going to love them. Oh, I think it's nice that you're projecting yourself forward to Christmas, both of you. Why not? Just well, let's get on with 2013, right? Well, you know, but Liz, it was just a great afternoon, and, you know, I had so much fun planning it and just trying to think about something very happy and fun, something that Leon would enjoy. And I know Leon just totally appreciated everything about the day, the lunch, uh, the shopping, you know, the, the laughter in the dressing room. And, you know, and so, so it was a great day. And so, so she is on her way now to Kansas City to, uh, to attend this booksellers uh, convention. But here's the problem. The weather looks so terrible. I, I, she may be just moving to Kansas City permanently now because they have another big winter storm coming in there. And I'm not sure Leon is ever going to get out of uh, Kansas City. But it's a good thing she has her purple earrings, just in case. <laughs> She gets called upon to make any media appearances to, you know, if she wants to be one of those stranded travelers, they always interview at airports during, yes. uh, during weather situations like this. Uh, she's going to be accessorized perfectly for that.
Yeah, so she, um, so yes, that's right. And she can hold up the copy, the copy of the book. They had an advanced, she had an advanced copy of the book with her, which again, I guess I'm the only sister that's seen that. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, obviously we're, we're trying to have a little fun here on Satellite Sisters today and in our lives too. But you know, if you're a regular listener, that, um, as we've said, we had a really rocky 2012. You know that we lost our mother at the end of November. Um, she got very sick very quickly and died very quickly. And then since the last show, Monica, you and I recorded a show several Saturdays ago and where we just had a lot of fun, right? Yeah. And yeah. we were, but it was on, it was then on that Monday morning, Julie, that you called me at three o'clock in the morning to say that our father um, was clearly dying. And he did, in fact, die that Monday um, with you and your husband and your son there, right? Yes, he did. And, you know, uh, I know you came that afternoon along with Leon, um and, um, you know, it's hard to put it in words, but I, you know, I now having witnessed both our, our mother's death and our father's death, um, first of all, I am, I have to say I'm strengthened, strengthened in my faith because, because both, mo- both mom and dad died with family around them. They died hearing people say, you know, we love you, you know, we want you to be in peace. They died with, you know, the full grace and blessing of their church, of what, and of their God. And, you know, and in many ways, it was very life-affirming because while they both suffered, mom, with a, with a short but very, very difficult illness, and dad with Alzheimer's, which is a long, slow goodbye, as people say, you know, they both suffered so much, but in their deaths, they were actually very peaceful. And uh, Monica, you were there when mom died. You know that it was a very moving event to be present at something like that. It is part of life. And um, I know that uh, I'm very grateful to the hospice workers that worked with us with mom and the hospice workers that helped with dad, because otherwise I can imagine it can be an incredibly confusing and bewildering and you're just so overwhelmed with grief at, at what is happening that, to, you know, to have the calm, certain voices of the hospice nurse, you know, telling you, you know, that this is how it's going to be and what's going to happen. And the words they used, Liz, when I called you that morning at three in the morning, they said, your father is already in transition. And that's, you know, their very grace, the hospice worker's very graceful way of saying that, you know, dad was dying and that he was transitioning from this world to another world. And um, and they really helped us with that process. And, you know, for dad, he died in a nursing home. And I know that can sound so sad, but it wasn't sad. And it wasn't a sad place. And Liz and Monica, you've been... Right. It was not a sad place. I mean, it was, we were very lucky that you found him such a lovely place, so close to where you are. It was because of his Alzheimer's, he really did need 24 hour care that we could not provide in any of our homes. Um, and, uh, but he obviously felt very comfortable there. And the fact that you could come and go several times a day as you did, and all of us, all of us visited him there and spent time with him there. He'd only been there since October, but he definitely seemed very um, comfortable living there. Yeah, and it was so nice, you know, this week just as, you know, as a witness of the kind of care that he got, I received a beautiful card from the nursing home signed by over 20 mm-hmm. nurses' aides and nurses and technicians, all offering their personal notes of condolence to, to dad and talking about what, a, you know, the, you know, the impression that dad made on them and that the, he was going to be greatly missed. And I thought, you know, that, 
you know, that was just like so many of the condolences we've received from so many people that just really touched me to think that, you know, in the last days of his life, that people that had been strangers to him, you know, were very caring and that in some way he had touched them and that that was important. So all of these things that just, you know, it does, you know, it, it, makes you sort of think about your own life and how to live the best life you can and and how to um how to help others that are going through this very you know the difficult period of grief you know another thing i would say about the the hospice care and the hospice people that we dealt with both here in santa monica caring for mom and in dallas caring for dad is that it's just that they have a perspective about things that is different than the purely medical perspective. So, you know, we were getting a lot of that all the way along um, when mom was first diagnosed with cancer. And obviously we had a lot of that over multiple years with dad's Alzheimer's. But there's just another level that you have to think about when someone is really reaching the end of their life. And to have people that are experienced in talking about that and recognizing that and making that a peaceful transition for everyone. For instance, the thing that made a huge difference to us, Julie, as you know, is that originally when mom died, when mom was dying and then when she actually died, the medical advice had been that we should not tell dad that that was happening because he would find it too upsetting and impossible to understand, and it would just be too confusing for someone in the late stages of Alzheimer's that dad was in. But then once you talk to the hospice people and they got a chance to meet dad and examine him, and they could see that he too was very near the end of his life. I mean, they told us that in the middle of December, right? Yes. They were the ones that kind of overruled the medical people and said, if you don't explain this to him, he will not be free to go. He, he will not have the peace of knowing that he is going to his wife, that he will see her again, that she had all these things about feeling like she has gone before him would be helpful to him in having a peaceful death. And that just completely changed our mind about the whole situation, didn't it? And it was clearly the right thing to do. Absolutely. I mean, it was, you know, it was the very first thing that the hospice worker in Dallas had said. He, she said, you must tell your father that this, you know, he, this is his wife of 62 years. This is unresolved. He can't die in peace with, without knowing this. So as incredibly difficult as it was to tell dad in a moment when he was lucid that mom had died and to see dad sob and sob at the loss of his wife, um, it it still gave him the peace to die in peace and and. He, we also know, and I, from all accounts, that dad, mom came to dad. Dad talked about that in the last days of his life, and maybe it was because of the, all, you know, the Alzheimer's that when he talked about it, it, it was so startling because most of what he said you couldn't understand. But he made statements like, "My brother and my wife are together," and his brother died ten years ago. And so that he, but he said that very clearly. And then other days he would turn to me again, where most of the time we could not understand what he was saying. He would turn to me as clear as day and say, your mother called last night. Which actually makes me laugh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Don't you think that's funny, Monica? <laughs> it is. I wonder what those conversations were like. But... And, and that I know in the last weekend he was reaching out to his mother. He, I heard him talk about his classmates. And I know he was referring to, you know, some of his best friends from college, his college classmates, that they were there waiting for him as well. And I, you know, I believe that helped him die so 
it was somewhat sudden, but very peacefully. And that, um, that, that was great advice. You're right, Liz. Right. It's one of the big insights that, you know, that I really took away and I would pass along. I think people have a fear of that when you get hospice organizations involved, it's like admitting that, okay, there's nothing more we can do. Like admitting the end is here and that it's kind of a, it's a very sad, like futile act almost. Like, okay, that's it. We can't save you. But in our experience, in both of these experiences, very close together, you know, within weeks of each other, we were dealing with two separate hospice organizations, dealing with two parents dying in very different ways. In both cases, they really helped us understand um, death as sort of that, as part of the just, I don't know, the living and dying process was so much more mysterious and like deep than I ever gave it credit for. So for people who are afraid of talking to hospice people because they don't want to look like they're giving up hope, I would just say it's like the, the most hopeful thing you can do at that stage if you're caring for someone um, uh, who is that sick is to get people with that perspective involved. Monica, I don't know if... Yeah, you... and I, I would say the earlier the better, um, you know, because they, they just... They really helped us. And and even after both of our parents died, both of those hospice organizations offered uh, bereavement counseling to us. Um, But I know a lot of people, most of my friends who parents have died, their one wish is that they had gotten them into hospice sooner. So I would say the earlier, the better, because then you can really get the benefits of the counseling and just the way they direct the medical care. It just has a different focus than, you know, bringing your parent to the hospital every time they have a complication. They know how to deal with all those complications at home, you know, and they can help you. So I would say the earlier the better on hospice care. You know, the the hospice organization in Santa Monica that helped take care of mom is called Skirball Hospice, and I'm on their mailing list. I don't know if you guys still get the mail from them, but the just yesterday I got their February grief counseling newsletter, which is, which is called Good Grief, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> which, well. Is, which is fine. I, like, I was happy to get it, and it's helpful. And, you know, because this is, uh, Skirball happens to be a faith-based organization, so much of this is actually written by a rabbi, and he always puts his name and his phone number at the bottom, and like, please call me if there's anything. And they like, mean it there. They totally mean it. They totally mean it. The uh, One of the tips for some ideas to help you feel less alone and hopefully not as sad during this month of February. There were several of them that I'm really, you know, not up for, like helping someone. Sorry, no, <laughs> I'm not ready to do that yet. But the, uh, but they did, they did. Pamper yourself was on the list, so that I could sign up for. How about souffles and shopping? Was that? Well, it says do something you've always wanted to do but have never done. Do you want to test drive a sports car? Try a new exercise class? Go whitewater rafting? That's there, a good idea. That is a good idea. So uh, I would put souffles in that category, a day of souffles and shopping. You've never done that. (laughs) No, I really haven't. Uh, Yeah, so, uh, you know, here we are. It's the the end of February, but since, you know, really since last spring, as a family, we've been just, like, as stretched out as we possibly could be emotionally, you know, where you just feel like it's such a change for me to, you know, to not feel like at any moment the phone could ring and it's going to be the next crisis. You know, I know you all relate to that. Like, it's been a long time since we could actually just, like, walk away from the phones and not think that we're going to miss some right urgent... Or, or we're not going to get a just some terrible email from right. one of us with terrible news because right. that just breaks your heart. Right, you know, right. That's really hard, and you're at work, and you get these really sad emails about some crisis with your parents, and it's just hard to get through the rest of the day. 
Well, you know, one of the things I did, Monica, I was telling you this in our last show, like at the beginning of the year when I realized I had really let myself go, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> like I re-signed up for my weight management program at UCLA. And mm-hmm. so I've been like hanging on by my fingernails with that. And, you know, the losing dad, you know, it, 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 let's just say it, it hasn't helped um, me sort of really get in a groove and take better care of my own health. And um, so last week when I was there, once a month they do blood tests and they're just gen- generally checking how you're doing. And for the first time ever, like in my whole life, they said to me, you know, your blood sugar's a little high. Are you experiencing any extra stress lately? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Thank you for asking. You and then I started to explain, and obviously, like halfway through the sentence, I totally lost it as I started to explain, like what we've been, what we've been handling for the last year. And they're like, "Okay, well, that explains that." You know, they were very nice about it, but you know, I was like, "Should I be alarmed?" They're like, "No, no, I think that's a pretty good explanation for uh, so why you might be feeling a little bit of extra stress." We'll uh, we'll continue to monitor that, but you know, thank you for for telling us that. So physically, I obviously, my body is still sort of, you know, mm-hmm. processing all of this. But also I've noticed that I'm, I'm like losing items all over the place. I think my mental focus is not what it could be. Last, last weekend I had to pack to, to go. I was away all this week on business. And so at the last minute I'm throwing things in the suitcase. And for the life of me, I could not find the one dress that I needed. Like I had to stand up and do a big presentation and I knew exactly what I wanted to wear. And frankly, I didn't have that many choices because I don't fit into most of my clothes right now. So you know that feeling? Monica, you have to what? have that dress. You yeah. have to have that dress. It's and not you, like... Uh, and you can't find it. I couldn't find it anywhere. I'm pulling things out of all of my closets, all of my drawers. I, I, like, I'm last minute dashing down to the dry cleaners. I, I never found it. I like, I was just, to, so I managed to pull something else together. And then as I was coming back on, uh, on well, let me guess it was in the trunk. Of your <laughs> I even went and looked. That because that's cro- where most of your yes, life is. Yes. Lives. That thought crossed my mind, Monica, that somehow <laughs> it could just be in the back of my car somewhere. And I went and checked that. And now when I got home this week, I realized you know, three weeks ago, it was right before I went to Dallas when dad died. But that week before, I had been in a in a hotel, too. Maybe I hadn't seen it since then. And so just, like, I thought, well, what the hell? I'll see, give this a go. And I called the hotel. I was like, is there any chance you found a black sleeveless wool dress in my room? I checked out on, uh, on February 8th or something. And they put me on hold for about two minutes, and they were like, oh, yeah, we have it. And we also, oh, had, and they also had a blue silk blouse that I had completely forgotten about. <laughs> and it's amazing the hotel still had it two weeks uh, later. I know. That's, that's I know. Crazy. I was grateful for that. The one thing I have not found, like Uh-oh. from that, like three weeks ago, I also, going through security at Dulles, and all of the security in the Washington airports is extra tight, even compared to the rest of the country. Somehow I managed to walk away and get all the way home without my winter coat. I, that's, uh, I, left that at a T, I left that at a TSA checkpoint, and I have just been too... Liz, I, that's all a <laughs> I, I know, but because I'm going home to Los Angeles, Monica, I'm not used to having a winter coat. So it's just like as I came through and, and I got one of those extra security pat-downs because the magnetometers at Dulles are set on like 11. So you know that your underwire bra is going to set that off every single time. So I got pulled over. They went through every single thing in my bag. La, 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 la. Turn your computer on. The explosives check oh. the whole thing. Oh. So it was just in the process of reassembling all my stuff that I walked away without the coat. Good excuse to go out and buy a new winter coat. <laughs> anyway. Help it to yourself, Liz. Yeah. Anyway, so that's... Um... put some clips on your clothing, Liz, or something. <laughs> <laughs> so we are... We, we decided as a family that we would um, have our father's funeral mass and celebration of his life in March instead of in February uh, because... Well, we just, like, weren't emotionally ready to go through the whole funeral thing again so quickly. But um, and the good news, by then, 
we may have our own pope, right, Julie? Well, that's right, Liz. You know, it is, uh, it's interesting that, um, that our father died on the day that Pope Benedict uh, resigned. Now, I don't know if, if there was any connection, <laughs> but, those, but that will always, in my mind, that will always be, you know, I will, oh, those two events will always, I'll always think of that. And uh, so now, as you know, uh, this was Pope Benedict's last day. Today, he gave his last little speech there, and the conclave is, of cardinals is coming to Rome, and the Dolan family, can we just say it? We're just very excited about the long shot, the dark horse chance that there might be a Pope Dolan, right? <laughs> We're just really excited about that. I mean, we, uh, let's, let's be clear. As far as we know, there we have no family connection to Cardinal, the, uh, the Cardinal from New York City. Uh, Cardinal Dolan. We Timothy are not, Dolan, right? Timothy Dolan. We are not. See, I don't even know his first name, Liz. We are not. He's just spoke Dolan him. to you. We're not related to him, <laughs> right? He has not come to Thanksgiving. We, you know, he's. I don't believe he's aware of the Satellite Sisters. <laughs> uh, or just, just. There's no connection. But, but don't you think that there just is going to be if he is elected Pope? that somehow having the last name Dolan is just, it's going to be a good thing for us, don't you think? I think there's going to have to be some kind of conclave of Dolans in Rome. Don't you think (laughs) that he would need to do that? I I think it's going to at least get you to the head of the line when you go there as a tourist and you want to tour St. Peter's. You just show that passport that says Dolan in there, and somehow you're going to get get in the shorter line. That's what I think. I, I think that's going to help. But it is a long shot, right? I mean, I haven't really checked the odds today. I've been more focused on the Oscars. But, you know, Pope Dolan is a long shot, and we know it. But it would be very fitting. I think it's the kind of thing, I think Leon or someone posted this somewhere on our blog, that it's the kind of thing our father would have loved, and he would have totally claimed to be related to Pope Dolan. Next thing you know, he would have been his cousin. You know, yes. with that, and he would have told that story without without thinking twice about its complete lack of truthfulness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he would have had gotten some family tree that showed the connection between Cardinal Dolan and himself. So, so anyway, I'm not sure you can campaign for Pope. We're, we can't really have any influence over that process. I'm guessing. Uh, well, Liz, you know, it's so rare that popes resign. I think that anything is possible with this election. So. To start a Facebook campaign for Pope Dolan, I think is a good idea. I, I think, and I, it doesn't hurt, does it, Liz? Can't hurt. No, I, you're right. I, I don't think. I don't think anything bad can come of it. Do you, Monica? No, I don't. No, I'm, I'm sure there is a Facebook page campaigning for him. <laughs> Just get on it. <laughs> All right. So, Monica, what have you been up to? What's going on in uh, Portland, Oregon? Okay. Ooh, I had quite a week. Speaking of trying something new. Liz, I have been uh, eating enchiladas all week. <laughs> that sounds that's, healthy, Monica. That's new for you? Or it's just, really, the volume just, of enchiladas is new? Both. I just normally don't eat enchiladas and the volume. We're talking three, four, five nights in a row. Here's the reason why. I'm having my friends for dinner this week. Uh-huh. I want to make something that I can uh, bake ahead And we never, you know, this group of friends, we never have Mexican food or Mexican-like themed food. So I thought I would try vegetarian enchiladas. But I've learned in the past, when you try a new recipe for the first time and you try it out on a group of eight people, it doesn't always come out exactly Like the recipe. And I mean, I had one instance where it just didn't look like the picture at all. And it was very disappointing. And I thought, you know, I should really practice first. So I've been practicing enchiladas. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the problem with enchiladas, it really comes down to one thing breakage of mm-hmm. <laughs> breakage of the corn tortillas. Yeah. You have to be able to fill the enchiladas roll them, put them in a pan, and you don't have to make enough for eight people without your enchiladas falling apart. And then the second problem is 
mushiness after the enchiladas come out of the oven. So I've just been trying various methods. I, I tried, you know, warming up the tortillas in the oven. Ooh, breakage. Major. That, <laughs> that led to a lot of breakage. Monica, have you, have you, like, are you using recipes? Are you going to YouTube to, you know, to... Oh, I've, no, Julie, I, I've done it all. I've, I've, I've searched. I've, I've read at least a dozen recipes on how to make enchiladas. I've seen okay. at least 12 videos on how to make enchiladas. Oh, I, I first what I do is I stare at the pictures and then I find the enchiladas that look the best. And then I go to the recipe. So I've been trying various recipes and I think, I think I'm ready to go, but I'm so sick of enchiladas. <laughs> You're not going to be able to eat any the night of your dinner party. I, I, I just want to be done with the enchiladas. I figure, you know, a little sour cream on the side, some sliced avocado. How bad can they be? You yeah, I, that's why I feel like people put up with a certain level of mushiness with enchiladas just because it's about the flavors being so good. Right. I just don't want it to be a big glop of enchilada glop on on the plate. I would well, like... I, that, that sounds bad. What I would like to see some individual enchiladas that are intact. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> what kind of vegetables are you using, Monica, for your enchilada? Um, uh, zucchini, sautéed zucchini, and corn and black beans. Okay. All right. That sounds like a tasty combo. Okay. Yeah, so, so, so I'll let you know how that turns out. I, I think... Lightly fry the corn tortillas is the way to go. You, you sort of fry them a little bit first, and then they hold up to the filling in the enchilada sauce. I, I'm impressed that you're putting this much rehearsal time into it. I, because I, am this, I mean, this ladies' night dinner, haven't you been doing this for Many years, years and years? Many years, but I, as far as I know, we have never had enchiladas. So I just want to, I just want to. I want them to look presentable. And the fact is, the kind of tortilla that this one recipe told me to buy, it only came in like a hundred pack. Uh, so I have a so I have a hundred corn. Oh, single girl with a hundred tortillas. <laughs> corn tortillas. What are you going to do? Fill them. You enchilada them. That's what I've been doing. I, I need to step away from the enchiladas after next week. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. One of the pieces of advice you always get from people when you're going through the kind of grief and change that we've gone through, a, a lot of my friends keep, keep saying to me, you know, just be kind to yourself. And finally, I said to someone last week, you know what that translates into for me? That translates into, yeah, have the extra serving of lasagna. It just, that's I, I have to think of some other definition of what be kind to yourself need, means. So I can imagine that a week full of enchilada making and eating and tasting mm -hmm. would be pretty satisfying emotionally as well <laughs> as well as being ready for your ladies night <laughs> oh god so what do you have planned for tonight do you have a menu plan for oscar night well no i go to my friend's house uh mary michaels and this is like our fifth year in a row it's really fun it's a little tradition, and I go over there and I watch the Oscars with them, and Michael makes a great dinner. And the thing that I like about watching the Oscars with them, they have a couple of friends over, is they enjoy the movies. You know, they, they enjoy everything about the movies, and they've seen most of the movies. So we were going through our list, Mary and I, of what we have seen, what we haven't seen, and it's good that we sort of, we don't overlap. Like, for instance, I didn't see Life of Pi or Les Miserables. And those are the two movies they did see. Um, okay, that's good. On the best of, but I had quite a frenzy in the past two weeks of movie going. I finally saw uh, Silver Linings Playbook. I saw Zero Dark Thirty. I saw Amours, the French movie. Oh, with, my God. You went to see that? I very, very sad. Very yeah, sad. Uh, and I also saw, as a real treat last weekend, I saw all of the live-action short nominees. Oh, wow. Monica, you, you go deep. You go deep. It's like... Which is a category most people have don't have an opinion about, but I do this year, so... <laughs> So who are you rooting for in that category? Anyone we've heard of? Well, first of all, these were five uh, extremely short, extremely dark movies. 
the first one was about uh, murder and poisoning. Uh, the second one was about like heroin and suicide attempts. It was just the third. It's one, better that they're short. That's the third I'm, one was about is this like, whole dementia. night of fun, or did you do this um, over a couple? No, they're of- all they're all in a row. Third one was about dementia and death. It was just it was wow. just one thing after another. There was a lot of poverty. Oh my gosh! But the one I liked the best was called uh, "Death of a Shadow." Okay. All right. It was, I thought, the most creative. Um, again, it was about murder and death, but i that's the one I'm going with. Death okay. of the Shadow. You heard it here first at Satellite Sisters. Death of the Shadow. We'll see if it's a big winner. I know. Well, I was amazed to see that, like, of the nine Best Picture nominees, I've actually seen eight of them. Liz, I know which one you didn't see. I just absolutely was not willing to go see Amour. When someone told me that it was a tragic end-of-life story, I'm like, thank you. I totally have that covered. I do not thought I thought you were going to say Django Unchained. No. I cannot tolerate Quentin Tarantino movies. I I would not have voluntarily gone to see that. You're right. You're right to pick that one out of the lineup. You couldn't pay me to see that movie. Yeah. Well, you know, my friend Chris was here visiting a couple weeks ago, and that's the movie that he really wanted to see. And I just, like, I, I, I'm like you. I think I've just, I've had enough Quentin Tarantino in my life. I really, the hyper-violence, I just don't have the tolerance for that anymore. So Django Unchained, I'd say, is like three hours of my life I wish I could get back. I, it's, it's certainly original, but... It is just so vicious and so mean. The acting in it is amazing, but no, no, no. You got no. Um, whereas Julie, you and I saw um, Silver Linings Playbook together on New Year's Day when I was visiting Dad in Dallas, and we loved that movie, right? We did. That was a great movie. I hope it does well tonight. Um, I have to say the the prep we're doing here in our house is on Directv this weekend. You could uh, download Argo you know, and watch Argo. So we talked a little in the past about binge viewing. Yeah. My husband has watched Argo this weekend. I think he's seen it six times. <laughs> <laughs> so he's doing some binge viewing. That's the only, like, I, he's, what, does he love it? Why is he watching he it? it? He loves the movie. It's, it's in his, now it's in his classic rotation with the Bourne films and Field of Dreams, Argo. Field of Dreams and Argo. He's all set. He is I think he will win the best picture. Right. So he hasn't watched all ten movies. He's just watched one movie six times. <laughs> <laughs> well, another pr- prediction I want to make. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, in the best, I think Argo should win best picture, too. I loved that movie. We talked about that on a previous show. It was just fun and edge-of-your-seat entertainment, just smart enough to really, like, give you an insight into something, but really, really well done. Um, and, I, you know, Lincoln was a, like, fascinating slice of history but i don't know i just the movie i felt was a little bit boring and a little bit hokey but because we know ben affleck is not nominated for best director my vote for best director is ang lee for life of pi did either of you guys see you didn't see that right i didn't see it yet i'm counting on my friends to fill me in i wanted to I mean, you just, I, I could not love Ang Lee more anyway when you think of the breadth of things that he has done. Mm-hmm. But Life of Pi is really, really such a beautiful movie and just an amazing story. And I've never even read the book, but people I know who read the book said, I can't believe they could even make that into a movie. And, uh, and then the ones that have seen the movie thought it was a really pretty smart adaptation. The book is so much more sprawling than a movie can be. But anyway, so I'm hoping we get a little angly tonight okay. because he could not be more charming too so wouldn't you rather see him up there than steven spielberg i mean oh. i got i got nothing yeah. against steven spielberg but really come on <laughs> and here's another i had a little revelation uh a couple of days ago about why i was kind of hung up on les mis because i really liked that movie and i i loved that show you know i saw the stage play twice and loved it i own the soundtrack I frequently listen to this, the original soundtrack okay. from, from Les Mis, but I've just had a hard time getting excited about Anne Hathaway. I just, mm-hmm. she, why, you like her? 
I liked her. I thought she was very good in it. I thought she's she just was a very... supporting actor. She she wasn't even in the movie that long. I, I don't. Know. But here, here's the light bulb moment I had just the other day. I was listening, one of the podcasts I listened to, Alec Baldwin does a podcast called Here's the Thing. And he's a really good interviewer, believe it or not. And he interviews, like, really smart, interesting people. And he did an interview with Patti LuPone that I just happened to listen to the other day. And that's, that was my light bulb moment. The first time I saw Les Mis, the role that Anne Hathaway plays in the movie was played by Patti LuPone, right? <laughs> so I think, I'm, I'm sorry, Patti LuPone, Anne Hathaway. Patti LuPone, Anne Hathaway. I cannot get excited about Anne Hathaway knowing that the role was actually created by Patti LuPone. But I hadn't really gotten in touch with my feelings on that until I heard Patti LuPone talking about that show this week on that podcast. So that's why I haven't been willing to emotionally invest in Anne Hathaway in any way. That's what was holding me back. It's not Anne's fault. There's really nothing she can do about it. So... That's quite analytical there, Liz. So what's going to be your strategy for watching the big event tonight, Liz? Okay, here's my problem. Uh, Again, I think I've told you I'm suffering from a little bit of a lack of mental focus. I have to be on a plane tonight. I actually made plans. Cancel. I have to be be in Amsterdam tomorrow night, which means getting on a plane. My flight leaves... Uh, LAX at 6.30 tonight. Oh, Liz, I'm so sorry. I'm so mad at myself. I, I I even, like, went through the schedule. I was trying to figure out a later flight, blah, blah, blah. Or, well, could I go to the airport earlier and just sit in the lounge for three hours and so I didn't miss so much of it? So the way I figure it, I'm going to get to see, like, Seth MacFarlane's opening, whatever that is, and then the rest of it I'm going to miss. I just... And I'm so qualified this year, you know, because <laughs> you've seen so because I've seen almost all of the movies. I know. And you really shouldn't go to Amsterdam because you don't have a winter coat, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you don't have to see Anne Hathaway win. <laughs> I know that's true, and and it's not like I'm just going to be like out of it for 24 hours and then I can watch it when I get home Monday night. I won't be home until the end of the week. So the whole thing will have been like totally hashed over, spoiled in every way. Like people, I will know all the results. I will know all the embarrassingly bad jokes and the funny jokes. You know, there'll be, there'll be nothing left for me to see by the time I can watch it on my own TiVo on Friday night. So this is, I, I, have, I have one other thing to say about the Academy Awards. I speak, I know, for a certain segment of the population that I don't have any idea who Seth MacFarlane is. <laughs> I guess I'm just saying it, okay? I'm saying I'm, I'm not wondering gonna... how he got the job. <laughs> but I, I guess we'll find yeah. out tonight. Maybe someone fresh that, that most people don't know who he is. I mean, a lot of people do, but, you know, but most people, maybe that will be good. I don't know. I'm just saying I don't know who he is. I've never watched any of it. You're not, you're not a Family Guy viewer, Julie? No, wow, I, that... surprisingly not, Liz. <laughs> surprisingly not. I know you're shocked at that. So I'm just, I'm just putting and I'm not embarrassed about it. I think a lot of people are pretending that they know who Seth MacFarlane is, and they have no idea. Okay? Well, one thing, uh, one uh, thing I read about tonight that I think will be fun, you know how they usually have starlets handing out the statuettes and standing there directing people off stage and on stage, you know, but this year they're going to have young filmmakers. Oh yeah. I heard about that, that they had a competition to apply, which is cool. Yeah, that is cool. I read that they're also going to have, Julie, I think your husband will appreciate this, that there's a rumored, um, Barbara Streisand, all of the bonds will be there. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> I know it's not quite as good as Matthew Bourne, but all of, the, all of the James Bonds through the years together on stage, that's what I read somewhere that that is, uh, that that is something there. And then I guess for Adele's big number when she sings the, the song from that movie, right? So I heard there's a lot of extra singing and dancing. Because here's the thing you don't know about Seth MacFarlane, because you know nothing about Seth MacFarlane anyway. I mean, he's sort of famous for Family Guy and the sort of animated, snarky TV shows he writes and voices and creates and all of that. But he also sings and plays the piano and has issued albums in the past. So I think you're going to see like a little bit of a singing dancing host with the, it's sort of a, 
Hugh Jackman meets Ricky Gervais thing they're going for, I think. <laughs> okay. Okay. Liz's big prediction. <laughs> but I guess that's the only part of the show she's going to see. <laughs> I think you might be getting more of the snarky humor than, you know, what you're really looking for. But, uh, but that's we all right. See. We're probably, we could always switch back and watch Argo in the middle of the war. <laughs> I was like, you're going to have to tell your husband he's going to have to turn off Argo for just a little while <laughs> to watch the awards. I'm excited for tonight. Excited. Yeah. Saw yeah. some good, there were some really good movies out this year. So there were, there were really good movies. I, I watched the IFC, the Independent Spirit Awards last night on TV just because I knew I was missing, missing the Oscars tonight. Please. So, so we got, I got a taste of the excitement and it was, you know, it was just more silver linings playbook and stuff. So, okay. All right. So whew, we have a big week ahead of us. We got Oscars. We got all kinds of things going on. Um, anything else anyone needs to cover? Enchiladas. We got enchiladas. Oh, we got enchiladas. enchiladas. We got Leon stuck in Kansas city. So, uh, just say a prayer for her and Liz. You just uh, just maybe mark your clothing or something as you're taking this big trip and uh, um, stay warm. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, well, it's, you know, when you go, go over and back that fast, you just don't even have time to realize what climate you're in, which is why you forget you need a coat. But, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I will be in touch. So, so there you have it. We're the Satellite Sisters. We're back. It's been, you know... Uh, for obvious reasons, we haven't always gotten to recording a show as frequently as we would like, but it's not because we're not, you know, we don't, we, of course, we love doing this and we love getting all your messages. You've been so nice on Facebook and the people that have taken the time to send real cards to the Satellite Sisters. Um, it's been, don't you think it's, I, I find it, much more meaningful than you would ever really think just to, yeah, it's, to it read is, through it's, the postings on Facebook and done it I, multiple times. So, uh, you know, they really, they are just your kind thoughts and prayers. They just keep on giving us uh, support and lifting us up. And thank you so much for that. And it reminded me, Julie, that, you know, because we've been talking about our family in various ways for, you know, more than 10 years that we've been doing Satellite Sisters, regular listeners know quite a bit about mom and dad. So there were, there were messages coming back with references to specific things and stories that I had totally forgotten that we ever told on the air. So I think it was really nice to know that when you wrote to us, it wasn't, it wasn't just because you care about us and listen to us, which is, of course, very nice, but that you felt like you had a sense of connection to Edna and to Jim and uh, that that was something that we had created over the years. Going back to the first thing that either mom or dad ever did on Satellite Sisters, for Satellite Sisters, do you remember that the original show for the first several months, how we had dad do the credits at the end? <laughs> yes, it was really... It really was not good. That's all I can say. It's just overly <laughs> dramatic. No, just, I had to keep telling him to just talk, take take it down a notch, Dad. Yes. He thought he was doing was... Shakespeare, but it was just a <laughs> Right. You think it's your dad, and all of a sudden you're getting Sir John Gilgood. And so, you know, and each week the credits were getting longer and longer. So it was supposed to be like a 20-second tag at the end of the show. This is when our show was still on public radio. The 20-second tag was becoming like two minutes of Shakespearean oratory. <laughs> oh, so finally, we had to fire Dad. Anyway, I should dig up that audio, and we, we, will, we will share that with you on another time. All right, sisters, have a good week. Good luck, okay. everyone. Good, good, good luck. Okay, and call your satellite sister.